when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. What's good, Internet? It is Austin Walker. Welcome back to the new Vice Gaming Podcast. Still doesn't have a name. Joining me on this beautiful Monday morning. It's not beautiful. It's it's like it's like rainy, but not all the way rainy. It's just kind of it's miserable out. Patrick Klepik, how's it going? It's ugly out here too. I can I, uh, our live weather report check in. You know, part of our new Monday podcast. Uh, not great, Austin. Not great. What's the weather? What, what is it? Is it is it cold out there? Is it so? The thing here is that we're in the bad moment where everything is caught in between. So yes. like, if I go into a restaurant, they'll have the heat on even though it might be sixty eight, seventy degrees, because it's like it was forty or fifty degrees yesterday for some reason, and so now they're on heat mode. Or it can go the other way where it's like I can go into a place and it's freezing and they still have the AC on, and that's no good. Does New York actually get a fall? Because the way it works oh, yeah. in the Midwest oh, yeah. is you get a summer and a winter, and then there's a brief maybe three-day period where you get a spring and a fall, and you learn <laughs> why people love that time of year until then it just plummets from 80 degrees to snowing. I feel like at some point I'm just going to wake up a week from now, and there's just going to be three feet of snow outside, and I'm going to realize that when you buy a house, there's not like a maintenance person that comes and does that for you. You have to go and, and shovel that shit yourself. <laughs> No, New York gets a fall. It's like my favorite thing about New York. Like I love fall. It's the best. You should come visit. You're you're gonna come visit. I am gonna come visit the site later this fall. Yeah. And and it's it's beautiful. Like it, it sits around fifty to sixty degrees for like two months. The best. And all the trees change color and everything's like crisp and like oh it's it's my favorite place in the world at my favorite time of the year. So it is it is uh it's one of the best things about living here for sure. I mean, I'll just, you can just set up uh, a FaceTime and I, you can just point it outside I and I can just, I'll just put that on a separate monitor. <laughs> and yeah, I need that. I just need, I need, uh, is there some sort of website with the live streams fall for me so I can just surround myself with it, even if I don't actually get it uh, where I live? The thing is like, before you lived in Chicago, you were in San Francisco, which probably also doesn't get a fall, right? Well, like San Francisco is like perpetual spring fall, you know, you, you, you get uh, San Francisco gets, uh, they used to call it like the, the hot week and you get one week a year that somehow it's, you know, spits up to 90 degrees and the entire city wonders why none of them have AC, but then the week <laughs> passes and you go, oh, right, because that stuff's expensive and there's no reason for me to own AC when it is otherwise absolutely beautiful 95% of the time. Why am I complaining? If I put this on Twitter, everyone else in the rest of the world is going to get upset at me because I'm complaining <laughs> about my really nice weather. That's, I, I miss, the, I miss the San Francisco's thing, weather. The thing that happens here is, I, this happens every year that I'm here, and it has for every year that I've ever lived here in my life, it's like 
May, and it's like this isn't that hot. I, I'll just su- I'll suffer through this. This isn't a problem at all. And same thing in June, and then July it starts to get hot, and you start to go like I could maybe I should get an, maybe I should get an, a- an AC unit, but I get real busy, and then it's like the end of July, and then it's August, and you're like ah he's gonna break any day now, and then you end up suffering for another four weeks in the worst heat that there is because you don't want to buy an, an AC unit just for that end of the summer, like. I keep telling myself, next year's the year. Come May 1st, I'm just going to go buy an air conditioner just to have it that whole summer. But maybe maybe my, my wallet is thankful that I'm suffering instead of, instead of being nice and cool inside. I like that you managed to become the editor-in-chief of a website before buying an air conditioner. Yeah, just my life prior- is Priorities. <laughs> like, I, the, I, this happened fast, is what I'll say. Like, it, it comes up to me a lot in my, in my mind when I talk to people on the internet who didn't know me two years ago. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah, it's, so what sort of deal with the devil did you make, Austin Walker? Fucking, listen, I lived in Canada for five years, <laughs> in the cold, <laughs> in the snow. You, I, you like, suffered for your craft. I suffered. I liked I liked a lot of my time spent in Canada. I didn't love the city I was in, but much of Canada is great. It gets a lot of snow up there, though. So I think I think I weathered that, and because of that, I came out like tough and, and strong and ready to make moves, ready to, ready to get into a position to where maybe I could buy an air conditioning unit next time. <laughs> Well, that's exactly. the thing. It's none of this is about like you know creating uh, like a, a a website that is, has an interesting no. voice that has something to say. It is this has all been part of a master plan so that one day Austin Walker can write down in his resume can't can't or tweet on you know tweet or put on Facebook that I bought I've made it I made I've it bought an AC I have an AC I even got one that has power save mode I spent the extra money. <laughs> Hey, come on! Don't don't get ahead of yourself. Yeah, you're right. It's the one thing I'm the gonna... website hasn't launched yet. Just... Everything they can still take it all away from right, us. Right? You know, I'm gonna get one on Craigslist on the cheap first, and I'll step my way up down the line. Once I launch a second site, I'll buy a new air conditioning unit. Exactly. That's... Exactly. I, listen, like that's it's funny because I I feel like those things are often it's not the marker of success necessarily, but it is something that I oh, we talk about this a lot actually. We talk about how how it's easy to um, talk about like oh you just do it all for the art or you do it all because you love it or you do it xyz but money is like actually a a fairly useful thing to have that like when (laughs) yeah as it turns out as it turns as it turns out like i'm not saying money can buy you happiness but it but it can buy you an air conditioner but it can make sure that like (laughs) you're not living on on like super cheap food that's bad for you uh it it can make it so that when i leave work at 10 p.m i can afford to just have a car drive me home instead of suffer instead of walking the you know six you know 0.6 miles to the subway station that's going to take me an hour and a half to get home from there right so there is your tweet your tweet about the bus for i don't know how long ago it was it was maybe three or four days ago it really like because you know one of the i'm not a huge fan of uh these you know like organic uh timelines that have been introduced to like you know facebook and twitter and instagram and everything where you load someone's page and it loads what you think you should see Mm -hmm. but occasionally when i do that i do appreciate it because i'll see some tweets that i might have missed and yours might like might have been one like one of those bummer tweets like it's it's you know it's it's not like anything really bad happened to you but there was just like a just a vortex of just, <sighs> just I, you could feel the uh, the exhaustion in yeah. your tweet. I have a, so my bus situation here is, 
I catch a bus. It's not good. Your travel situation was half of what I heard about when I was out there for a couple of That's days. That's true. Just to say it's I, not good. So I live in a place called Astoria, Queens, which is very close to here geographically. Taking a car, <laughs> it is a 20-minute car ride from, from door to door. It is not a problem. Um, but because of the way New York mass transit is set up, there is no, there is no subway line that connects those two things directly. There's the G, but that doesn't really get close to my office. Um, so I can either take a subway line into Manhattan and then connect to another one and connect back out to Brooklyn, or I can do this thing where I take a subway to a bus and then the bus stops near my office, but the bus only runs twice an hour. And I know that there are places in the world where like, yeah, dog, my bus runs once an hour. If I miss it, I'm fucked. The thing is most of New York doesn't work that way. The majority of New York works where it's just like, yeah, subways just come nonstop. Like everything is just coming one after another after another. And so the entire like cadence of the city is more rapid than that. So to suddenly have a thing that's like, oh, well, if you missed it at nine o'clock, you have to wait until 930. is just like, oh, like that's a huge chunk of my day is missing now. <laughs> uh, and then especially when you wait for it to come at 930 and it shows up and then switches to not in service and then drives away three days a week. Like not it's not scheduled to do that. It's not it's supposed to pick me up and take me to work where I can do work. And instead it goes like, oh, no, nah, I'm not in service. I'm going to pull up over here, go to Dunkin Donuts, get back in my bus and drive away don't uh uh huh and then i have to come here and sit in a bunker and do the podcast <laughs> it's great i love it i love do i love my work i love my job i love this also i wish the bus was just more regular i wouldn't even mind it i'm not like an anti-bus guy i know there are lots of people who are like buses are for poor people that's a thing that someone said at the giant bomb not not at giant bomb that's something a salesperson near a giant bomb desk once said oh that's no buses are convenient and cheap buses right it turns out people need fucking buses buses are convenient and cheap and lots of people can use them and they're great when they keep their schedule i just wish, wish this one kept its schedule is there a brand you could get angry at on twitter and see if they would respond to you someone someone dm'd me and was like yo what bus line is it i'll hook you up (laughs) I got to connect with the MTA. And I was like, all right, word. And then I sat on that for seriously three weeks. I didn't tell them what bus it was. Because I didn't want to get anybody in trouble. Because like, it's one of those things where, I don't know, some shit comes up sometimes. And you don't want to... I'm not trying to blow up someone's spot if... They had an emergency or something. You know, like, I- I'm trying to be yeah. lenient. But then this last week, this last week happened in three days in a row. It no-showed at 930. And I was like, I'm going to dig through my DMs and find that dude and let him know what bus line it was. And I did. And he was like, yeah, I'll take care of it. So I- maybe it'll show up on time tomorrow. We'll see. I don't know. Uh, that is... People that tweet at brands on Twitter, stop it. I see it's things. I don't want to read... If a, if a brand reaches out to me, I'll respond. Yeah. Yeah, if they're, if, they're do, if, they're, if they're doing a Twitter search for them and they they want to help you, that's that's one thing. But uh, it is a pet peeve of mine. I understand. I have probably done it at least once in my life. It is the person who is stuck at the airport right. who is uh, incessantly tweeting at uh, their some sort of you know whatever airline that has delayed them or inconvenienced them. And what they're doing is they're not adding them. They're putting the period in front of the at so that Ooh. all of their followers can right. see it because. If you put it so all your followers, maybe your followers will respond in kind, saying right. like, "Oh, that sucks, man," and then then maybe that brand will respond to you. But it, I don't th- stop it, stop it. Okay, but 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 seamless. Fix your address system. You can't even deliver to my house anymore. <laughs> huh? Did I tell you this? I didn't tell you this yet. So, in Queens, there are strange addresses. Sometimes it's like like my. I'm not going to give my house an address. I'm not going to dox myself live on this podcast. But there are addresses that are like one two hyphen three four 
56th Street, right? Right. And and normally the thing that happens is you only get one of those sorts of addresses per you only get like if you have one two hyphen three four whatever street, you don't also have one two three four whatever street in the same zip code. So if you go to mm-hmm. seamless, you can put in whatever and it'll know where you are. I happen to live in a place where there is both a one two hyphen three four and a one two three four in the same zip code. And oh, mine God. is an apartment building and the other one is like a tire factory. And no one delivers to the tire factory. So I can't even I can't even make an order and then put in the notes like, oh, no, 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 no. It's one, two, hyphen, three, four. Because in their in the system, it's like, no, we're not going to ab- go. We're not going to deliver Chinese food to that abandoned warehouse and get killed. <laughs> like, we're not. That's what it says it's at. So that it's out of everyone's delivery range. So seamless, not to like dot at you, but <laughs> please fix your hyphen shit. I need to be able to order Chinese food at 11 p.m. when I get home from work. <laughs> you know, a reasonable request. I've been using E24. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, I guess we should probably talk about video uh, games. Is that what this yeah. is a podcast about? Uh, I guess I, I could talk about the fact that uh, some video games I'm not going to be playing is I, I think I've idly thought about this for weeks, for months, really. Um, uh, I bought a Vive uh, earlier this year. Okay. Um, uh, I'm a big a big VR proponent. You are. Uh, been very excited. I took a look at the Oculus and the Vive, and I, every time I played VR in the in the last couple of years, um, the controllers were really what made it for me. So the fact that uh, the the Oculus seemed like a slightly better headset, but the Vive immediately came with, um, you know, these controllers that uh, developers were already working for, and if you buy a Vive, you have to have these controllers, so you can assume that people that are making Vive games are, are making meaningful use, uh, or at least thinking about those controllers, was kind of what sold me on it. So, you know, I spent the $800 or whatever it was to get that, um, and just sort of like, that's my line in the sand. You know, I'm, I'm going to just get, align myself with that one VR headset and move on. Uh, but then Sony, you know, had, had been making some compelling arguments from the software front, uh, you know, mm-hmm. like I would love to play Res in VR. I uh, you I play Res in VR. Resident Evil. You I really want to play really Res, play in, Res VR. in VR. And then, and then uh, Resident Evil Seven, which almost made me throw up. Uh, but I, you know, I'm hoping they're going to figure out, you know, some of those issues before that ships in January. Uh, the idea of playing, uh, I've been compelled by the the prospect of playing a fully featured like full-length game in VR uh, as opposed to sort of these like shorter shorter experiences that mm-hmm. have, have more or less defined VR to this point. Um, and the idea of playing something RE7 like front-to-back in VR was really interesting to me. But, um, yeah, I, you know, I bought a house and had a kid, and I'd, $800 was already, let's say, a stretch uh, for, for my wife. Uh, the idea of spending another 450 on a PSVR bundle has been staring me in the face, and I finally just said... Okay, I'm gonna step back from this cliff. I'm not. I cannot spend twelve fifty on VR in one year. That is no, no. That is irresponsible, even for a person that is very cheap with their money. And is I, I could do it. I shouldn't do it. You shouldn't, shouldn't do I, it. And so I walked away. I can't. I so I think I'm allowed to talk about how I think it has a nice box, the PSVR. I think I'm not yeah. allowed to talk about anything else. I think there's a there's no. an embargo for a few more for for there's an embargo. I can't. I also can't tell you the details of the embargo. Um, it's out soon, though. It's, it's, it's out, out in soon. the next two weeks. It's out in the next two weeks. We'll be able to talk about it within those next two weeks. And uh, it has a nice box. The unboxing felt really good. And, and that's about all I can say about that for now. Um, but check yeah, back but I am, I am, in the future. I'm stressed about this lack of Resident Evil. I'm, I, I, is it not that coming is, to PC? You know, I, 
It is, but um, as was revealed, uh, you know, we'll see if this gets clarified uh, after uh, this podcast. But uh, there, is, apparently, the final box art for Resident Evil Seven on uh, PlayStation Four says that it is um, PlayStation VR exclusive for uh, twelve months. Mm. Um, uh, so that you know, will it get? I, I don't even know if that you know. Will Capcom even bother going back and doing you know support for Oculus and Vive right. twelve months after that game ships? I think that depends. Well, a lot maybe on... they will. They, they'll. That depends a lot on how Oculus and Vive are doing 12 months after Resident Evil 7 shifts, you know, like... Yeah, and also if they do a Game of the Year edition, I guess sure. it's probably, you know, not not too hard for them to, to go back and do that. There's going to be a season pass for that game, so they'll certainly do a re-release. And my guess is, you know, if the rumor pans out that, uh, you know, uh, Oculus is going to be sort of like lockstep with Scorpio, um, I guess I wouldn't be shocked if there was a, you know, RE7 for Scorpio uh, and all of that. But uh, either is- way, it's... It, how long? How long is the longest VR thing you've you've played at this point? A couple hours at most, you know. Yeah. Nothing that's you know. Presumably, RE Seven is going to be you know ten to fifteen hours, you know, yeah. bare minimum eight. You would think, you know, for for a game of of that size, usually. Hopefully, it's not RE Six thirty five hours, a horrifying <sighs> nightmare length and bad game. Right. Um, people to defend that game you need to stop it it's it's a bad game patrick you just ran a piece about how how you can enjoy bad games you can i know but uh, that doesn't mean that you sit there and tell yourself it's a good game like (laughs) rari 6 is a bad game and i recognize that and i played it because i needed to know how it was 35 hours long and can be that bad but i'm not going to sit here and go it's worth playing because it was good. It was worth playing because it was bad. That's the argument, I Austin. See, I see. It's different. Now I'm, I'm, it's I'm different. catching up now. I'm, I'm putting one, one and two together and getting RE6 is a bad game. So It's a bad game. It is a bad game. Stop it. You play anything Stop, else so. uh, over the, the weekend? Uh, not that I played you played Quantum Break. RE7, but. Yeah, I played uh, 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 Remedy, uh, released a uh, version of uh, Quantum Break on, on Steam, which part of the reason I waited for that one uh, was because uh, the version that was released on the Windows Store uh, was a DirectX 12 game Mm. that ran much better on um, uh, AMD cards um, as opposed to uh, 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 NVIDIA cards. And the speculation was that um, it was just poorly optimized for NVIDIA and that the DirectX 11 version that came out in Steam would run much better on NVIDIA cards. And ta-da! It does. Um, And so uh, I'm a huge fan of Alan Wake, Max Payne. Mm -hmm. Remedy is just one of my... They make schlocky b-movie video games with huge budgets and well and this that, time that they like... actually made the thing like you came you i almost said you came into the office on friday but you, you came into our discord server on friday close enough and we we yeah basically uh we were like getting ready to do the podcast and you had just started playing and then you were like actually i like i thought i was gonna play some quantum break but i guess the fmv sequences in that game are 30 minute long tv episodes so i just watched <laughs> yeah. tv i guess is what happened I get an hour before uh, I sort of sit down for work uh, where I used to do daily streaming. And then since uh, we had Jessica, I try and wake up and help with her. And uh, oftentimes I can feed her right when I get up and then still have maybe, you know, 45 minutes to uh, help with more baby stuff if I need to before I work or uh, uh, play a video game. And sometimes I do both because sometimes she'll just fall asleep and I can I can do that. But either way, I, you know. Uh, that hour that hour I get is crucial to me because I you know my free time is increasingly locked up to to other things uh, in my life. But uh, I sat down, I played like five minutes of Quantum Break, you know, got to <laughs> like the next 
uh, next part, like, you know, made it past the checkpoint, and then this was the first uh, FMV sequence, and I was like, oh, right, that's cool. Like, I forgot they kind of did these sort of TV episode things. Like, it'll probably be, like, what, 8 to 12 minutes long, and there'll be 5 or 6 of them, and uh, I got, you know, like, 15 minutes deep, and was just like... What is this game doing? And then I I looked it up and it was like, oh, it's four thirty minute episodes. Like it's two hours of this stuff, and it's it's fine. It's not thirty minutes fine. Uh, I think it like really drags down the pace of the game in a way that by the fourth one I was just reading things. Like I was leaving it on the background so that I if there was something crucial in the cutscene I wouldn't miss it. But I wasn't actually paying attention to right. uh, what was happening. I, I, I liked the conceit of it. Essentially, in the in the when you play the game, the perspective of the narrative is uh, from you know so the, the main character, you know the good guys, uh, and then the perspective in the cutscenes is from the bad guys, and you learn a little bit more about their motivations, and it tries to flesh it out. Like I uh, conceptually on paper, I think that's really interesting. Uh, in practice, it's like they spent just enough that it doesn't. You know, like, I played The Bunker, like a, a pretty uh, mediocre FMV Wait, game. Wait, you play as a game based on where I'm recording this podcast. Is that, is that what you're yeah, telling exactly. me? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Uh, and uh, the FMV in uh, that game is uh, uh, poor. You know, you can just, you can kind of see the budget they were working with. And, you know, they uh, kind of stretch a little bit beyond their means. Uh, and with Quantum Break, they clearly gave them real money. Like, you know, they have real actors. You know, they uh, they have real sets. But it's not like... You can still see the seams on it in a way that, like, well, you guys all seem to be, like, in the same, shooting from the same office, like, seven times, or from that that hallway from the same 12 times. And so it's just, you know, you see the seams in a way that, in some ways, is more annoying, because if you're going to be low budget, you can lean into low budget, but once you start approaching... Uh, you know what your expectations are for broadcast quality uh, in some you know given like sort of the plethora of TV we have these days um, you know my expectations mm-hmm. are were a little bit higher and it's just 30 minutes 30 minutes is too long it's, that's already too that's long. already long for a TV show in many yeah, cases right like, TV show is a 30 minute minutes. show it's, yeah. it's it's either 24 minutes or it's 42 minutes right pick a right. side quantum right. break God. So I, I played a little bit of uh, Darkest Dungeon. Speaking of games that came out last year that we have decided to play this weekend. We are up to date. Hey, look, we have excuses. This Darkest Dungeon came out on a new platform, yes. and, and technically so did Quantum Break, although I guess it's not a new platform, it's a new storefront. Steam might as well be its own platform. At so this point, that's, that's the way fine. people treat it at the very least. Um, yeah, so I played Darkest Dungeon again on, on Vita. It's like, it's the the button situation on Vita is a little rough. Like there is a lot of weird button combinations to get the menu and stuff working. Um, but if I really put the time to it, I think I'll just internalize all of that. And that's just a, a really fun game. Hey everyone, this is Patrick just dropping in. Austin's microphone makes kind of a weird clicking noise for about the next five to six minutes. We're not really sure what happened. <laughs> I'm just going to blame it on problems in the bunker. We're still working out technical hiccups, and when we have a studio in a couple of weeks, this stuff should be a lot smoother. So thanks for your patience. Sorry if you uh, get bothered by it. You can uh, skip ahead a couple of minutes, and it clears itself out. Thanks again, uh, and now back to the podcast. Fun? I've heard that game is like incredibly stressful. Ah, uh, yeah, but I, this is that's my shit though. Like you know, like okay. I'm an FTL guy. I'm a Sheer and the Wanderer guy. Like I love roguelikes and I love really difficult games with permadeath. And I really, I'm a Far Cry Two guy. Like you know, like that's so. So I really love it when 
one okay. of my one of my characters gets pushed to the brink and decides to like <laughs> refuses to heal any of the rest of my party and then like I get a huge wipe on a boss that I've beaten three times before like it's no big deal and now this time I, I lose like I like those stories a lot and and it I don't know I don't know what happened I think at some point in my life I stopped caring as much when I lost in video games and I don't know it was early because like I've never been a rage quitter at losing i've been a rage quitter at like technology breaking or at like something that feels cheap because something glitched but not because i fucked up do you know what i mean like mm-hmm. um uh, and i i fuck up a lot playing video games like i do all right but i'm not like a i'm not a pro i'm not a pro gamer man like we're i'm no, not a, we're no brad shoemaker we're no, <laughs> why are you gonna do that to brad Patrick? wait why are you responding that way i was complimenting brad shoemaker on his video game playing <laughs> skills i don't know what kind of reaction you're having that says more about you austin than it does i about think me. i think that that does is, is it reflects that i've been in adjacency to brad shoemaker for a year watching everyone shit talk brad it's undeserved brad is good and pure and and great and i love him you try and get that call of duty achievement for real true especially like while they're camera you see he's doing breaking brad uh geometry wars again to try to get oh he's trying to get those dumb achievements brad stop it stop it stop it the dream is dead i mean i hope you get it like it would make me happy for you maybe he already got it you should i'm not to like toss to our competitor question mark but hey you should go watch brad shoemaker try to get the uh, million i would i would rather live in a world where he didn't get it austin wow. sorry that's now i want to be in the world shade <laughs> no it's not it's not i'd be happy for him but it's a much funnier world yes if that continues to elude brad shoemaker so that that is the uh, there's a parallel universe there's a quantum break where okay. brad brad shoemaker Still doesn't have that achievement, uh, but if he did get it, I'm, I guess I'm happy for you. There's Brad. a there's a quantum break in which in which Brad Shoemaker is a pro gamer though. It's like <laughs> it's it's like and he has always had the haircut he has now. Like ever since he was yes. 19, he's had like yes. dope slick back hair and has just been like the rival in an in a in an esports anime, basically just like the hot shot StarCraft player or something. Oh man, <sighs> someone draw that. That's. That yeah, please, really good, please put that request out into the world. <laughs> God, all right. Well, that was our weekend. Let's talk about what the world's weekend looked like. Was there anything, anything catch your eye in terms of gaming news and things like that? Not, not too much. You know, I think you know we were talking about this before we started recording. You know, like we'll, you know, if stuff happens over the weekend, you know, we'll, we will touch on it. But I, you know, I think we're going to start, you know, trying to, you know, we're still figuring out what this podcast is. Yep. You know, we're going to see what people respond to. But uh, certainly, I, you know, I think Monday is going to be more about sort of like reader interaction. So, you know, if you don't hear your, you know, answers to your questions on a Friday, you know, maybe we'll get to it uh, on a Monday. But uh, the, there was great, you know, news on Friday, I guess evening. Yeah, uh, this that's... is happening after like I basically. I think I was uh, complaining in our Discord chat that I had to write lines for a wedding that I'm going to this yes. coming weekend. And at the same time, there were, there was uh, Twitch was having, a, well, I presumably was maybe their keynote uh, address at uh, um, at TwitchCon, which is happening, I think, in San Diego this year. That sounds right. The same place right. where Comic-Con is. Uh, it had previously taken place in San Francisco, but I, th- I believe it's in San Diego um, uh, this year. And uh, yeah, they you know kind of announced you know plans for the future uh, of Twitch and you know, laid out like upcoming um, changes that are happening. You know, like the big thing this year was that they rolled out that HTML5 browser, which finally makes Twitch like playable and and not like overheating laptops. Oh, that sounds so uh, good. I didn't realize they'd done that. That's that has been a problem with Twitch 
Twitch for me for years. It is wild how popular Twitch is, and they have had the most garbage technology for uh, that long. I mean, you can see how that happens. You build something, yep. it gets popular, and it becomes much harder to change the underlying uh, fundamentals totally. uh, over time. But the HTML5, uh, yeah, it run, you know, I had a, you know, uh, you know, pretty decent laptops over the years, and, you know, like, you know, a decent MacBook Air, and Twitch would still make that thing hum as though it was a jet engine um or maybe a ps3 i remember how i blob my ps3 <laughs> and it would get be. hot like i so i had a i had a yeah i've had laptops where it's like oh i can't put this on my lap while i'm watching twitch because it's just no. too hot to be near anywhere there any it can't be near any areas so to speak uh but yeah they the the big thing they sort of announced which uh is that uh you know amazon bought twitch you know a, a while ago at this point but it's easy to forget that because uh it probably uh in, in a in a way that uh, would make people that you know are a fan of Twitch happy, like Amazon has kind of just let Twitch be Twitch, yeah. uh, you know, for better or worse. Um, uh, but this is uh, for the first time, Amazon is kind of more closely in, uh, interlocking themselves with uh, uh, Twitch, and so they announced something called Twitch Prime, which basically, if you already have an Amazon Prime account, you get a, a bunch of benefits uh, with. Twitch, um, you get like this free loot, which I think are like emojis. Uh, you get uh, a free channel subscription to someone, which I think that basically means that if you have like a favorite streamer, it's the equivalent of you subscribing to that streamer. Right. So it's like once that connect, you know, rather than you are paying four fifty or whatever it is a month to that streamer uh, individually, that's just like rolled into your Amazon account, which is kind of weird. Like that's that's a interesting yeah. way of approaching that. I know you, you were sending me some messages about this. Yeah, there was there um, were definitely a number of streamers who were... So there, this is replacing a, a thing called Twitch Turbo, um, yes. which used to be a service that, that you could be part of to avoid... Or not to avoid, but to, to not have to see ads on Twitch. <laughs> yeah, avoid. You avoid ads. Pay, pay to avoid pay ads. To avoid, yeah, pay to avoid ads. Instead micro, of using Adblock, you pay to avoid ads. Um, and so uh, this is replacing that, and there were places in the world where... Um, Twitch subscriptions and Twitch Turbo, I believe, were not available, but Amazon Prime was. So you could subscribe on Amazon Prime to get around those constraints and then still support the streamer that you liked. And there were there were there was at least one streamer who was like talking his fans through that process so that they would subscribe via Twitch Prime, which is like uh, that sounds all right to me. Like that sounds all right. It just it's just such a weird situation and i think it reflects how like unfinished streaming is like i I think we think a lot about technology and culture as like oh yeah it's the way it is because it's the way it has to be of course right like there's a there's a really good paper from forever ago on the history of it's about it's about how technology changes but like the thing that i like about it is the history of the bicycle that like when we think when i say bicycle you get a picture in your head and it's basically the same as whatever picture i get in my head there might be more of a mountain bike or a bmx bike or something but like basically it's the same but there was a time in history where bicycles were wildly different from each other and it didn't you know, what this paper is kind of suggesting or, or arguing is like we didn't just get to the bicycle because it was the the best version of the bicycle. Like our modern bike isn't just like oh yeah we just we tested them all and this is the one that worked. It's a lot of like weird conflicting social interests and like the women of Paris France wanted bikes to be different than like the young hooligans who wanted them to be super fast and dangerous and like all of these different conflicting things come together along with technological constraints and eventually you get the bicycle. And streaming to me is like in a very similar place that like. 
right now, obviously, Twitch has the, the lion's share of the market, and so they can kind of dictate what the platform for, for streaming should look like. But as additional sites keep rolling out and trying new things, we'll get a, a, an intense contest between all of these different visions of what streaming might look like. And that can be anything from the browser being in HTML5 versus being in Flash to weird audience interaction stuff. There's a, there's a new streaming service that I saw a couple people use. I saw uh, Jeff Gersman using it. I saw my friend Joel use it recently where like it builds in bot interaction with the chat directly so that you can do kind of like twitch plays pokemon style stuff in a in a much less hacked together way or it's still hacked together but it just feels more intuitive and more like built into the service um Mm -hmm. and like stuff like that's going to keep happening for the next like five or six years maybe more than that as we narrow down what we like streaming to look like and as different forces kind of compete to determine that like it's YouTube gaming didn't blow up the way I kind of hoped it had because I really like its client, um, which is a shame. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing about YouTube is, like, they have much better software and technology, but the users are elsewhere, which is not to say that YouTube doesn't. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Have an enormous audience, especially for games. Yes. You know, you know, PewDiePie and lot and Markiplier and lots of people prove that otherwise. But specifically, when it comes to streaming, Twitch has essentially that down on lock and has continued to kind of hold position there because um, it's difficult to budge people, right? And part of what Amazon uh, and and Twitch are doing with Twitch Prime is just trying to lock you in further. Like they, I, I have to, you know, imagine there are you know a lot of people that have Amazon Prime and that maybe also watch Twitch, and so like by locking those two together and giving you a benefit, it a it you know uh, it makes you think about continuing your Amazon Prime subscription, and then B you know want, it keeps you sticky to Twitch yeah. uh, in in the future as well, and like that's what they're trying to bank on for the future. Is like they you know Twitch essentially you know I think this has been the the, the running sort of like hypothesis like is is Twitch or YouTube or I guess maybe more Twitch because they're one of the market leader like is Twitch the MySpace of uh, streaming right right or is you it know, the where, Facebook like where where are we in this process. Yeah, because, you know, there are certainly other social networks. Uh, Facebook may not last forever, although at this point it's, it, it, it is hard to imagine Facebook getting dislodged as sort of like a foundational pillar um, of where social networking starts and everything sort of expands outward. It's like, is Twitch that or is it a different service or is it that YouTube is able to sort of pivot uh, and make that happen? And, I, you know, so far, it, I mean, there doesn't seem to be much evidence that uh, it seems like Twitch is going to continue being the streaming service and YouTube will continue to be the VOD service. I right. mean, that continues to be, uh, even now, Twitch has very bad video on demand stuff. Like their underlying technology, like I said, has been absolutely atrocious. Um, and the feature sets have been awful for years and years and years, but they got the thing that's more important, which is users, fans, and people got locked in and they go where uh, the, co- the content mm-hmm. goes. Mm-hmm. They go where the... Mm-hmm. 
that's three out of three. I'm, I'm on a roll. I didn't the, even try uh, to do that one, but I felt yeah, I felt the opportunity arise, and I, I took you it. You just jumped on it. Beam is the other platform I was thinking of. Um, yes. And the thing with Beam is I just realized Microsoft bought Beam, and I had not realized that until this oh. moment. So What, like recently? Yeah, like last, like very recently. That's not true. August. August, they acquired Beam, and no one has talked about this until I just... Well, because no, no one knows... Not, no Wait, one. look at it. Hold on. I looked it look up. It's this. a story from Engadget. People have talked about it. I just haven't heard about it because I've been busy. Microsoft acquires gaming setup run by 18-year-old. What a world. What a time to be alive. God, way to just make my, my life is worthless. What were you doing when you were 18? Uh, you had a website. I, yeah, exactly. Your, I had, your, might have had a website. What was your website? I'd, I don't know. Not not a, a a company getting acquired by Microsoft. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> no one was acquiring your Weezer fan site. No one was acquiring unreleased Weezer for the masses. <laughs> but don't worry, I talked to Rivers Cuomo over email several times from Jablescage at yahoo.com. I wish I had still had that email address, oh. but Yahoo purged it a long time ago, and so my emails with Rivers Cuomo are they existed. I swear. I read I swear a I read a, a defense of Pinkerton recently, which sounds like an absurd thing because I think it, over time. Pinkerton gained a lot of credibility as a as a record. Yeah, that's well, that that's yeah, that's a weird argument because I, I know that there's been a uh, slow backlash uh, to Pinkerton in uh, in the very rightful criticism of it being like extraordinarily uh, probably sexist yep. and it's sometimes uh, racist yep. um, uh, in a but, in a way that would you know was not really acknowledged at the time because that just wasn't part of the conversation. But yo, know, it's still a Man, Tired of Sex is a good fucking so, like, song. The thing Stop is, it. The thing that was interesting about that article, that the, the, the case that it made, and like this just to me revealed my age in a, not in like I'm getting old way, but in the like, oh, actually, I, I was always young uh, way, is that like when I listened to Pinkerton for the first time, I was in high school and it was, it felt contemporary to like Dashboard Confessional and other emo, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it predated it Screamo. by a bunch. Exactly. Totally. Like I was listening to, to Dashboard and to Taking Back Sunday and to Thursday and shit, right? So like the... Thursday. Yeah. Wow. What's up? I, What's wow. Up? Okay. We can go deep. We can go deep on Screamo. We can do it. Screaming. Let's scream some infidelities. <laughs> So, so to me, that felt at the time. But then, but then, like the the point that the the article was making was that when it first launched, Pinkerton had come across as this like weird, dopey, like whiny, emotional, soft boy thing after this pop rock like mm. masterpiece had hit, and so everyone hated it when it launched. And I had no, I had no idea about that context for for Pinkerton. Um, oh wow, yeah, no, yeah, that album was. Uh... Uh, a pariah at the time yeah, like it I, was it was you know Weezer was this type of band and then they did something completely different and yeah they it, yeah um, weird weird anyway I, I will link I re- that I article real, I realize Butterfly I, is a weird song now but okay yeah, alright yeah. fine Butterfly ha- hmm I, yep El Scorcho's got some problems yeah some lines a lot of those songs are, which are deeply memorable songs have some yes. problems have some problems <laughs> yeah well Rose Cuomo's got some problems so yeah. that's are you that's stay in touch or? Like, well he followed me on Twitter after I shit talked him um, that's, which I th- that's a power I that's, move that's what that is uh, yeah I was like you know made an idle comment about their most recent album which I think was something along the lines of uh, um uh, that like it was very catchy, but the lyrics were shit. And then somehow Rivers Cuomo started following me on Twitter, and then it made me deeply ashamed. And I just wanted to. I felt fourteen again, and I had to. I had to like walk away yeah. from Twitter. It was, it was not good. good. Um, well, uh, one thing we should mention uh, quickly, just because I was looking at Twitch stuff, was uh, and just an observation that I kind of 
strikes me every once in a while when YouTube announces sort of the most popular games on YouTube and Twitch announces some of the most popular games on, on Twitch. Uh, now, specifically, this is a list of uh, most popular uh, new games as opposed to most popular games. Sure, so it's like a, League you know, of Legends not, isn't on here. You're right, you're not, there's no Counter-Strike or you know any of the sort of like esports games that sort of otherwise dominate Twitch. But this is the most popular new games uh, watched uh, on Twitch uh, in 2016, uh, starting from 1 to 10. Uh, Overwatch, World of Warcraft, Legion, Destiny, Rise of Iron. That's fast. Tom Clancy's, Destiny yeah, up to yeah. 3, that qu- I guess it's just Destiny. Well, I don't know. No, order- it's specifically Rise wow. of Iron. So that's like in a week. Yeah. That's incredible. Uh, Tom Clancy, The Division, uh, H1Z1, King of the Hill. Which is I, that an update? Just a to, separate mode. Okay, sure. I think it was. A, I think it was a separate release. Uh, like they split it off as its as its own thing. Uh, Arma Three, uh, The Culling, uh, No Man's Sky, uh, Clash Royale, and Stardew Valley. Uh, and I think what's interesting about that list is, uh, you know, maybe the people listening to this are different than us, but uh, I saw The Culling and went, "What? Right? What is what is The Culling? Uh, I would." And I looked it up. It's like some Kind of Friday the Thirteenth ish uh, multiplayer only, uh, you know, monsters versus humans sort of game. I might be getting that slightly wrong, but it's something along those those lines. Um, hey, I have a question. That's like very popular among streamers. Why the fuck is Arma Three on this list of new games? It's it must be an expansion that came out this year. I guess so. Um, it has to. But be. Uh, but I just find that fascinating because I you know I think if you went by the the games that are talked about at least in. To my circle of what I follow, you know, and I, you know, I follow Reddit and, you know, NeoGAF and it's, you know, that's, you know, that's beyond just, you know, my sort of like curated Twitter uh, experience. Like no one's talking about the culling. No one's right. talking about H1Z1. No one is talking. I mean, Clash Royale, I realize, you know, is a popular game, but uh, I, I guess I'm, it's it's interesting to to be, remember that there are large segments of people who enjoy video games yes. that are enjoying completely different video games than you that despite, uh, me being paid and spending every day trying to be kind of hooked in to what what's happening right that you can still miss like huge amounts of what's happening because it's just not anywhere near your purview the calling is extra interesting to me because it also has like mixed reviews on steam so it's not even like what we're talking about is an underground hit that everyone loves and we're just not we're just not clued in because we're old men now um it's it's on first blush, it's like, oh, I guess that game released and some people played it, um, but but apparently has a really active community, which is one of those moments where you have to take a step back and think about your metrics for success and your metrics for judging like the quality of a game. Um, I, I obviously my sis, I've seen the calling, I've looked at it and been like, eh, the sense of humor here isn't for me. Eh, the matches are a little longer than what I would like to to play. It's kind of like a battle royale game. Like it's like uh, mm-hmm. you're all on an island and you're set into the wild and you go craft stuff and fight. Um, and in the in that subcategory, there are other games I would rather spend my time with. But like. What's when this happens? My question is not like, "Hey, those whoever's playing that they're wrong because their taste isn't like mine." It's what's happening in this game that's attracting them. Why are they playing this and not playing something else? Is it something to do with the price? Is it something to do with having a really great progression structure? Is it something to do with really good community management? Like I, I when I see kind of things that feel like outliers to me, I'm desperate to know what the story is there. Um, well, also, you know, which is specifically this list is most popular new games watched. So yeah, is it possible? True. I wonder, is it is it possible for the culling to not, you know, I'm, I'm just, you know, purely hypothesizing here, but like, is it possible for the culling to not have been a particularly big success sales-wise? Like, is it possible that that game uh, is, 
a extremely popular streaming game that is watched by a lot of people, and yet it's that would that you would you would think in your head possibly there's a one to one correlation between its popularity in being watched and its popularity in being purchased. Um, but would it shock me if there is a like huge variance between those two? Like no. Right. I don't know if that's right. true, but, but it, it seems like me. it's possible. I mean, we live in a world where one or two big streamers or YouTubers can really make a game blow up in a big way, both in terms of sales and in terms of just eyes on the product, right? So, like, I am curious, if not the calling, what are some examples of big games that had, or, or of games that had outsized audiences for the amount of players that, that were actually playing them. Because um, normally when you think about these games, it is like League of Legends, which is huge in terms of viewership, and even bigger... Maybe it's not even bigger. I, I guess I, I'm talking on the side of my mouth here. I have no, I have no idea if the viewership, the spectatorship, or the player base is bigger. Both are very big. That's the thing, is both are very big. <laughs> so. I guess I need to look more into the culling. I need to, I need to satisfy my... You should. Curi- maybe, the curi- maybe there is no interesting question to be answered, because the, the answer is you just weren't paying attention. Right. But, um. <laughs> right. Totally. Well, yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, but uh, speaking of questions... Yes, and speaking of, of paying attention, Patrick, I need you to give me a number from 1 to 15, okay. because we are going back to the question bucket. Uh, all right, so it's like it's mm, okay. So it's October third. It is, uh, which means I could choose from a ten. I could choose from a three. I'm gonna go with the third. We're gonna go number three. Number I'm going three. number three. All right, this comes in from Ben. Thanks, Ben. What up, Ben? The Vita and the 3DS are both heading towards the end of their lifespans. Mobile games are so dominant here. He's in Japan. I should I should note. Uh, I, I cut off the top of his of his question. Mobile games are so dominant dominant here in Japan among young adults and teens that my Japanese work colleagues are often playing games under their desks when they should be working. Mobile gaming is mostly for teens and adults here. I rarely see a child under ten with a mobile phone. Um, children are not allowed to take mobile phones with them to school, so that could be a large factor why the 3DS remains uh, remains the go-to portable for children. Um, the 3DS is also a lot cheaper than a phone. However, I was shocked to see that my Japanese friend's nine-year-old daughter was glued to Mitomo on her father's phone. Are portable consoles considered to be childish? And if so, what future does the, the, does the rumored NX have? If the stigma around portable consoles is that they are for children... Uh, sorry, let me say that again. And if so, what future does the rumored NX have if the stigma around portable consoles is that they are for children? A portable that is not durable enough to last the battles of being carried in the school bag seems unbelievable. Like, are, are, is it going to be a portable like that is a high high quality premium thing the way that you would expect a console to be? And if so, how is that going to survive being in a child's backpack? For that matter, in my messenger bag, I break stuff all of the time, Patrick. Um, so I guess like the, the the big question here is like, what is the future of portable gaming? Is the NX going to be a portable thing? And like. Is our mobile phones, especially think about Nintendo's launch of Super Mario Run, like, are we just shifting into a, a world where mobile gaming is portable gaming, or will there always be a place for the 3DSs and the Vitas and, and things like that? I mean, it seems like the 3DSs and Vitas are, you know, going to be increasingly marginalized. I think that's just the the very nature of it. I, it doesn't mean I don't think that the gaming dedicated portables can't be successful. I just think that, you know, as we were just talking about, like, your metrics for success like yes. maybe that just changes uh the calculus on that changes you know maybe the portable nature of the nx you know and again we're you know kind of spitballing because 
you know, I think they said it was supposed to be unveiled by the end of September. That clearly didn't happen. But, no. you know, regardless of when Nintendo unveils this machine, it, it's soonish, you know, whether that um, uh, is in the next couple of weeks or the next couple of months. But, uh, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if the portable asset of this is meant to be sort of a value proposition, right? Like mm-hmm. it's it's giving you uh, an additional reason to buy uh, a game on NX versus, you know, buying that on a different platform, uh, whether that's Nintendo's own exclusives or or third parties. Uh, although I guess we should just assume it's exclusives because <laughs> third parties is kind of a uh, kind of a wash for Nintendo if your publisher is not named Ubisoft. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, you know, I mean, I don't. Th- my guess is uh, that despite the um, you know popularity of iPads and and larger phones uh, and things like that that uh, you know a dedicated game console that you keep in your bag is probably still going to be looked at um, maybe not as childish but I, I I don't think that it's necessarily uh, you know despite how much games have become pervasive and played by so many uh, I think that is still looked at differently than yeah you know you could be I, playing the exact same game on an iPad totally. and a 3ds and people are going to judge you. Uh, wrongly, but uh, differently uh, because of the device that you're you're playing it on. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel this anytime I bring out my Vita or my 3DS on a train. Here, it's like someone in that in that space is going to give you some look, and I don't, I don't, I, I maybe the the one thing I'll say is that there, I, I do also get looks of like, oh, hey, you also play games every now and then. Uh, but but yeah, it, it does. It feels different than here is the device I have in my hand already. I'm going to be playing a game on it. Even if it is, like you said, the same game. Even if I, even if you know, I don't think Darkest Dungeon came out on iPad, but I was playing that on a train on my iPad versus playing it on my my uh, Vita, I would absolutely feel like I was being looked at separate, differently, which is a weird thing. And I, I wonder if it's about the fact that the, that the devices are dedicated for that single purpose, or, or you know, yeah, it is, yeah, absolutely, largely dedicated for that single purpose, you know. And they look much clunkier, right? You know, yeah. you look, you're talking about, you know, an iPad is a very, you know, or any tablet is a very slick looking device. It's just a, a you know, a screen that you're touching it's, as opposed to uh, a dedicated gaming machine, which has, you know, buttons up the wazoo for, for good reason. But it also, you know, it's it's not it's not exactly a sexy looking device. I wonder if the same thing happens if you're, I'm trying to think of any dedicated portable audio devices at this point. Like... There was maybe a time when I think people who had like mini disc players got a similar look. That oh, was man. like, oh, you're one of those people. You this is this is how you feel about you're you are someone who cares so deeply about music that you have a mini disc player, <laughs> and and there's a sort of uh, stigma attached to that sort of singular devotion. Um, right. Or like someone who has like a portable TV or a portable like screen to watch movies on the train, on the subway train like that, that those people also I see get getting looks sometimes like, man, really, I might have given those people a look one time, too. And now I feel bad about so like, it. Maybe it isn't just about like, oh, you're playing a game. It's oh, you are singularly dedicated to some passion, which is not a thing we should be necessarily judging people on. It is. But, it, but maybe that's where that comes from. Whereas like with a phone. You know, you could just as soon be you could just as soon be doing email or your taxes or writing notes or communicating with your friends as playing a game on it. And so, like, it somehow makes you seem more disinterested and cool that it's okay to be playing a game on that machine. I I, I don't know. This is like complete armchair psychoanalysis. Like, I'm completely just digging into some bullshit right now. But that's my gut. That's like my gut check impression on why people look down on on anyone who's doing a single thing like that. Books don't get the only, that. The only, Books don't get no, it. No, they don't. Yeah. 
Kindles don't. But the, I, I think the one time I have, uh, I, th- I think I invited those looks. I, I, I took those looks on my shoulder. I, I took that burden was when I remember, uh, I've done this twice now, but it, it was most prominent when uh, I was flying out to uh, San Francisco for uh, Game of the Year stuff for Giant Bomb a, a couple of years back, the last one that I was a part of. And uh, I had gotten hooked on Bayonetta 2. Um, and I had this sneaking suspicion that Bayonetta 2 was going to, like, could, was rapidly rising the ranks to, if not be my game of the year, then, like, right up there in the top three, and it was important to me to finish that game, and I didn't have time to finish that game, but I said, wow, I sure do have, like, a four and a half hour flight coming up, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I think that Delta has plugs on the seats what if i was to bring my wii u on the flight what if i was to plug in both of those devices and what if i was to play bayonetta 2 on that flight and i did and so i beat bayonetta 2 on a flight to san francisco (laughs) with my wii u plugged in to two different outlets on my delta seat and you know one guy looked over me he's like is that is that a wii u i was like yeah man you just you got that portable that's a huge semi-portable screen (laughs) someone at nintendo's eyes just lit off that someone recognized it as a wii u (laughs) i know but uh, in that case, I didn't blame anyone for looking at me because, I mean, I had like a full console yes. <laughs> running underneath yes. my seat. And the Wii U can get kind of loud, too. So I just had like this thing spinning underneath my seat. And then like at first I only had one of the plugs available to me, but then the gamepad started dying. So then I had to like ask the person next to me if I could bar if I could monopolize both outlets so they could recharge the gamepad oh. while I was playing. It was a situation. It was a situation. That is, uh, that you know, if you're going to do it, do it. You know, if you're going to really... Yeah, I did it. If you're going to be that person, I feel like you should just lean into it. So, yeah, I don't know. I feel like there will be a place for portable gaming forever. I, I My suspicion is just, like, it's going to continue to get more and more um, robust on phones and tablets to a point where... Like, again, FTL on the iPad was my favorite way to play FTL. Um, There are lots of games that I really love playing on those devices. And I I guess I I really love my Vita. I really love my 3DS. So I don't want to say, like, oh, there's no place for dedicated gaming machines in the portable space. But I could conceive of a world in which I'm getting enough really good mobile or portable gaming via my smartphone that I don't feel like there's a missing like I'm missing something. Obviously our jobs are such that if Nintendo, when Nintendo releases the NX and if it does have a portable component, we're going to test out that portable component and play games portably. But I don't know. The other thing there is just like, and this has been my question with the NX from day one or from rumored day one, like from, from since (laughs) what the rumors are, who the fuck knows what it really is. Um, Do I want to play Zelda Breath of the Wild on a bus? Because I don't think I do. I think I want to play that in my room with the lights off on a nice screen. You know, Uh, do I want to play, I guess like Mario Maker, I could conceive of wanting to play portably. Um, I guess they're doing that 3DS mini version of that game. So Mm -hmm. they, they hope I would like to play that game portably. But there are lots of console style games that I wouldn't necessarily want to just transfer over to a portable system. I think that was a lesson hard learned by like the PSP and again by the Vita that like expansive first person shooters don't really make great like portable games. Um, Huge RPGs maybe do not in my life right now, but I could conceive of being younger again and dumping a hundred hours into dragon dragon quest seven uh when i had that free time but but like even that i feel like i'd rather be on a couch playing that game than than playing it on the on the subway but but maybe that's just me 
Uh, should we do one more before yeah, we wrap let's up? Yeah, let's do. Let's dip into the question bucket one more time. Do you want to do ten since you did three already? Yeah, let's do it. This is this is setting up a a, a system that I'm not I'm not fond of. Next week I'm getting rid of numbers. <laughs> I'm going to go to letters. Um, all right, this is from uh, David in Colorado who says. Uh, First off, uh, I'm very happy you guys are doing this podcast. I love the format, and I think that it suits both of you very well. I know you're both working rigorously to launch the new site. I'm rooting for you all. Thank you so much, David. Yeah, thanks, David. Really appreciate, appreciate it. Um, so, he says, Do you think that VR is poised to set off another violent video game's moral panic? I know you kind of talked about being VR'd out, but I feel this question has legs. I really appreciate that framing. <laughs> the public concern over violence in video games has gradually faded into the back background noise that is the concern of, uh, over violent media in general. Uh, but with the physicality and immersion that VR has in his mind, the potential to open that can of worms uh, is, is there again. Like we, VR could open up those old conversations about violence in games. For years, he says, players could laugh off the idea of Doom or GTA or Mortal Kombat being anything close to a simulation of murder. But with the physicality and immersion of modern VR, it's not as hard to envision VR a VR release featuring a disturbingly detailed or potentially accurate portrayal of a violent crime committed by the player. Um, games have established themselves as a form of protected speech, but that doesn't ins insulate them from public outcry or bad press. I'm honestly surprised that I've seen zero discussion of this topic as VR attempts to get up to speed. Thanks, David in Colorado. Thank you, David. That is a good question. I, I played two things this weekend which i can't get into specific detail over because they're, they're on psvr and both of them had deeply violent moments in them um in one of them i guess i can i guess i can just say what they are because neither of them is new um i'll just say the one of them is the getaway which is part of that vr worlds thing um, and there's been video of that going around, which is like, it's, it's kind of like a, a shooter, but there's also some like other scenes where you're, it's kind of a Guy Ritchie movie basically, but in first person. Um, and those are really, uh, I wasn't like, I didn't like have a, a, a serious response to them, but I definitely started scratching my head and thinking about what the potential for this was. The other game that I played this weekend in, in VR that had an intensely violent moment up front, like... It came out of nowhere, and it was it was uh, a scene that that I think people will be familiar with. It's kind of referencing something that people are already familiar with, but seeing it from that perspective was really um, a different take on uh, a violent scene that that I've normally never felt much of a response to. Um, and I am like it's it seems like it's serving itself on a platter in a way, right? That like. <sighs> It seems like it's it's all tied up in a bow that like, oh, yeah, if you want to be mad about violent video games, VR is the way to do that. It, all of the buzzwords that VR is sold on, things like immersion and presence, are so easy to flip back on VR and critique it for being extra violent or extra whatever, you know? Well, it's not even so much. So part of uh, the visuals in VR are uh, limited uh, due to the, the way that they have to be displayed. So part of uh, what, I guess, helps VR in one respect is uh, that, you know, the, the march of technological progress that is, you know, makes uh, games so aesthetically realistic um, on our PCs and consoles, like, is a little bit limited uh, by VR. And then also when you show VR games, they just don't look 
nearly as sure. compelling as as they do when you're you know within the the actual device. But the uh, I think that the the difference, the thing that uh, I I can see played on you know on, on on local news stations is you know with these controllers right. and with shooting games, um, you know I can foresee a game that allows you to put a gun up to someone's head and pull the trigger, and it's a whole lot different, um, or at least we become normalized, um, which maybe has its own issues, mm-hmm. um, to doing that with a controller um, where we don't blink, but it is a whole lot different to take your hand with a simulated gun and hold that up to a simulated head and pull that trigger. Like, there is something manifestly different about that interaction, where there is a distance between uh, the you know a player with a simulated gun with a reticle right. and someone holding a gun that has a one-to-one response to their hand and their fingers and that has uh, the sort of like almost and I I say this as someone who's enjoyed this in VR but an almost fetishistic relationship with guns where it's like oh feel how cool it feels to load a clip into the gun and hear that click clack as as it like as the round is chambered and all of that like it those there's such an attention to detail to that stuff because good sound work and good animation help kind of pave over some of the cracks in VR's visualization that like it's easy to to for me to see someone paint that picture of like oh this is a murder simulator or whatever uh, at the same time though the thing that's interesting is in the moments that i can interact with vr games um the violence doesn't feel the violence always feels goofy to me it doesn't feel mm. meaningful um it doesn't feel or like you know there will be a scene where someone is like interrogating me or something or like a a monster is chasing me or something and I will like reach out with my hand and and scratch its chin you know like it's like okay (laughs) come on like let's let's keep moving but in scenes in which violence is done that I cannot intercede and stop that is ends up being a little bit harder and a little bit heavier because it's just like well fuck I can't mm, this thing is happening and I'm powerless to stop it and it's happening at a pace that is very carefully timed for maximum dramatic effect which is really fascinating and like telling a story in that format is really interesting i guess this is something i actually talked to um mizuguchi about res uh, res infinite and area x obviously that's not a story driven game necessarily but when i talked to him about um how do you design a game where you can go off the rails uh, like you can in area x whereas in res you're on the rails and you're always seeing whatever is in front of you and you know that the obviously you can look around but like you know what the player where the player is going to be in the space so you can kind of present a scenario or a diorama for them so that they they have a, a big dramatic kind of view whereas in area x you can't you know do that you you are off the rails you are you have that freedom to to look into a wall if you want um and and you know we kind of talked about how that's one of the things that vr um you know makers need to get really good at uh anticipating where players will look keeping their attention and all of that um did i lose you for a second there patrick no i'm here okay good my computer went to sleep so I wanted to make sure that everything was continuing to go. It seems like it is. <laughs> Welcome to the bunker. Still here. Thanks. Yeah. The years, well, you know, it's all relative. I've been emailing while we've been here. I've been emailing back and forth about whether or not I'm allowed to be in this bunker because there's been scheduling problems where I, th- I think one person who runs the scheduling says I have not booked this bunker for all of these dates. And the other person <laughs> says like, you know, yeah, you have it from 1030 to 12. Uh, but I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. 
I think that's going to do it for us this week, though. I think, or this today, not this week. We'll be back uh, at the end of the week. Oh, yeah. No, it's Monday. Austin, it's Monday. It's not Friday. I wish it was Friday. I wish it was. (laughs) No, I don't. No, I don't. I can't lose a week. That's the thing. Is like being this busy means as much as I wish it was Friday and I'd get to sleep in tomorrow, I can't imagine losing five days of work in a row. That would be. No, we we have a lot of stuff going on, especially in the next two or three yeah, weeks. Yeah, we really do. It's time to it's time to speed things up. Time to time to get that engine revving. Time to put the pedal to the metal, which is a saying I've never quite understood. I guess there is there metal behind the pedal? Is that uh, it just feels good. It feels good to it, say it. It rhymes. It's good. Check us out again on Friday. We will be back. Thanks again to Bowen for uh, letting us use his theme song. Or not his theme song. Our theme song. Miss you. Eh. It is off of uh, the, the EP uh, Pale Machine. You can find him at Bo, B-O hyphen N-E-N dot info. Bo hyphen N dot info. I always type it as Bo N dot info. And ironically, <laughs> that is the same fucking problem Seamless has with my address. With they're ignoring the hyphen. Wow. full circle. Full circle. Full circle. We made it. Thanks, Patrick. I'll, I'll talk to you on Friday. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.